and welcome to another episode of the OK Guard Show, COVID-19 edition. I'm Staff Sergeant Brian Schroeder. You know, I used to be addicted to the hokey pokey, but luckily I was able to turn myself around. Today we bring you episode two of our three-part series on getting back to work and public life after COVID-19 shutdown. We've asked Major Andrew Marr back on the show to discuss ways we can keep ourselves healthy and safe as we venture back out into the public after Governor Kevin Stitt's safer at home order has been lifted. And we dispel any myths that we might've heard about COVID-19. You know, since I'm in the Oklahoma National Guard production studio by myself, I can probably take this mask off. But in accordance with CDC guidance, I will keep it nearby when I need to venture out to more publicly shared spaces like the toilet, break room, or any place I might go that receives a lot of foot traffic from other people who also work in this building. Not so much for my protection or comfort, but for the consideration and protection of others I might encounter either directly or indirectly throughout my workday. Enjoy the show. All right, sir, please tell us your name and what you do for the National Guard. My name is uh, Major Marr. I'm the full-time provider for local National Guard. Okay. And what all does that entail as the, the, the provider, the full-time provider for the National Guard? That's a hard question. <laughs> we do a lot of things. We take care of all the medical readiness for the state. Um, we take care of all the mobilization, demobilizing soldiers. Uh, we ensure the PHAs get done, the vaccinations get done. Um, we work together, the deputy state surgeon, that entire office for the medical readiness branch ensures that the state's medical readiness is above 90% um, with what's put out from NGB. Okay. And since March, uh, things have been a little different for our society and actually globally, you know, uh, has that changed your role as the, the uh, state surgeon, deputy state surgeon? No, as a full-time provider, it hasn't changed my, my role much at all. There's a few other things that they're doing. Um, they've actually set up uh, the joint task force. The joint task force is actually taking care of almost everything that's going on with the state active duty, the people coming on a Title 32, and all the different missions that have been pushed down and requested through the, for the National Guard. So in the Oklahoma National Guard, have there been any cases of COVID of, of some of the soldiers that have been out helping out or, or otherwise? There are otherwise. We've got a couple that um, have been tested positive um, at the basic training centers. Um, they've been put into quarantine like normal. Um, once they've come out of quarantine and they're negative twice in, in a 24-hour span, um, then they can go to training. Okay, but nothing, nothing alarming from the people that are out there on the front lines no. helping first no. responders nothing and providers. Nothing alarming at all. Okay, that's good. That's good. We're washing our hands. We're doing what we're supposed to. Yes. From the last time we spoke, maybe some people watched the episode and took some of that advice on their own. Hopefully, we hope so. So, Governor Kevin Stitt has taken that safer of, safer at home order that he instilled on March twenty fourth. Thirty one days later. We are back to a somewhat normal society. Does that mean that COVID is gone? And does that mean I can stop washing my hands? No, COVID's still very prevalent. Uh, we're still having positive cases every day in, in Oklahoma and across most of the states. Um, the numbers are coming down. And as they say, the, the curve's flattening. Um, does it mean that we're out of the woods? Not by any means. We still need to use precautions um, that we always have. We need to wash our hands. We need to do our social distancing the best that we can, wear our masks when we need to, uh, most definitely. Uh, that safer at home order was meant to protect the age group of 65 and older. And in Oklahoma, that's been the most vulnerable uh, population that's been that's seen the majority of the cases, the majority of the unfortunate deaths that have happened in our state. Um, below that, 
there's only been five cases in, in the, of those five below that 65 age group. Uh, from what I've seen in my research, um, the four of those five cases that were below the age of 65 all had one underlying condition. And the, the CDC describes those, uh, I'll just read off a list here of those conditions. So the 65 plus, if you live in a nursing home, long-term long care facility, that's that, that age group and that demographic. Mm -hmm. Aside from that, the people with the underlying health conditions, and the CDC defines those underlying health conditions as a chronic lung disease, serious heart condition, if you're immunocompromised by going through any type of chemo radiation treatments for cancer, uh, smokers, if you're a long-term user of corticosteroids, those tend to uh, lower the immune system. Uh, severe obesity, diabetes, liver disease, and chronic kidney disease that requires dialysis treatments. So those, those are those underlying conditions that everybody talks about. So with Oklahoma, a lot of those conditions are very prevalent in our society. We're number one in uh, serious heart conditions, number two, chronic lung disease. Uh, we're fifth in the U.S. on liver disease, fourth in diabetes. 30 to 35% of our population fits in that severe obesity category. So even though the virus is attacking that 65 plus age group, how worried should the state be overall because of those underlying conditions that may affect more of that population than that age group? I think if we take the precautions that have been put out there, I think that the, the risk can be mitigated very well. Um, as of today, we've had 55,390 cases in the state. We've had 288 deaths, um, which overall, compared across the nation, we're doing very well. So what we're doing is working. We need to continue to do the, the steps that we're taking. I know we're going to start going out into the communities more. Um, a lot of people haven't stopped. If you've seen Home Depot or Lowe's for the last two months, you can't find a parking spot. <laughs> some wear masks, some don't wear masks. Um, I, I think that the older population, if they... They take those uh, risk mitigating factors, wearing the mask, washing their hands and things like that, I think we'll be fine. And same with the underlying conditions, with Correct. just taking the precautions, wearing the mask, yep. listening to what the CDC says. Okay, okay. Um, so I've heard a lot of people say that COVID-19 is pretty much like the seasonal flu that we see every year. Is COVID-19 like the seasonal flu? Yes or no, and if not, why? It's a viral illness like the flu. It affects you in some of the same manners, but it's a little more severe, especially with the people with the comorbidities. Do I think it's worse than the flu? If you look at statistically in Oklahoma, if you look at the deaths we've had so far from the flu, we've had 85 deaths from the flu this year. So COVID's a little bit above that, um, but we've had a lot more cases of the flu um, in Oklahoma. Is it the same? No. The, the flu and the COVID-19, they're two different viruses. Um, both have a set of symptoms um, that are different and some that are similar. And with those two, um, they're totally different viruses. Um, COVID-19, especially with the elderly, seems to be um, worse due to the fact that it's causing more deaths. So they are similar in that they're both viruses, but different in how, how they, they attack work. the body? Correct. Okay, okay. And we hear of... The, the virus is mutating. What they saw in China is different than what they saw in Italy is similar to what we've seen, but different than what we're seeing here in the U.S. Mm -hmm. 
what does that mean? How does how does a virus mutate, and what does that what does that mean? The virus adapts. Um, when the body tries to kill it, it has the ability to change its makeup a little bit, which makes it harder for the body to kill it, which means you have a different, same virus, different generation of virus, basically. Okay. So it has the ability to change a little bit. The flu does the same thing every year. We have different types of flus or different strains of flu. Um, and it happens. Bacteria do the same thing. They, they grow and learn, basically, and they adapt and they change enough to try to survive. Okay. Yeah, bacteria to me is super fascinating. Um, humans, we take nine months to make a brand new human. Bacteria takes 12 minutes to mm -hmm. make a brand new bacteria. Is, virus, is a virus similar in that it can replicate that much quicker? I'm not sure how fast this virus replicates. Okay. Um, I can't tell you for sure, but it does replicate. Some viruses can replicate quickly, others take longer. How do researchers stay ahead of that game? Do they try and make predictions as far as where it's been and then they try and predict how it's gonna go? Is that even possible? They try to use different models to see what it's gonna do. Okay. Um, so with the flu, we have the flu vaccine every year. And basically, it's their best guess of the top three or four strains that they think it's going to be. And that's what goes into the vaccine. Some years are right on. It works very well. Other years, doesn't work well at all. Okay. So it just kind of depends on what direction the virus chooses to take. And we do the best that we can with the modeling that's presented. Correct. Okay. So what about uh, a vaccine for COVID-19? Why does it take so long? Because you hear, you know, in another year, 18 months, we might have a vaccine. But then you see headlines that say a vaccine's right around the corner. It, it takes 12 to 18 months. Once they develop what they think the vaccine is something that will kill COVID-19 or prevent it, then they have to go into the different types of testing. Okay. Usually they'll do an animal model. Then they'll do human testing. Um, a lot of times the testings have three or four different legs to it, and it just takes time. Sometimes the... Um, vaccine they think they have doesn't work or it kills people. Um, so it takes a long time to get one that's going to be safe and approved by the FDA. Okay. So there's a lot of testing, a lot of research that's done instead there of is. just blindly throwing syringes at people hoping it works. Correct. Okay. So that's good. It's a, it's one step to keep us safer, mm -hmm. but it just takes a while to get over that step. It does. Okay. Okay. Um, going back to, to the virus itself. There's symptoms that you hear of, and remind us what the symptom, symptoms are. Um, a fever above 100.4. You have a dry cough. You can have shortness of breath. Um, those are the, the top three right there. Okay. Um, other things you need to, to think about are, you know, have you been in contact with somebody who is a, a frontline provider? Are they an EMT? Are they a firefighter? Are they a nurse? Are they a doc? Mm -hmm. um, and if they've been exposed to it, could you have been exposed to it also? I've been hearing some really odd symptoms as well. Um, losing sense of smell, sense of taste. Mm -hmm. uh, COVID toe apparently is a thing where it looks like frostbitten toes. Mm -hmm. Is that the virus mutating? Is that just different ways that it presents in other people? I think it's just different ways that it's presenting in different people. Okay. Viruses, bacteria, illnesses present differently in everybody. We all have a little bit of different um, symptomology sometimes. Same thing. For the flu, you might get a fever. I may not. But we still t both test positive for flu A. Okay. So it's just based on that individual. So, And the longer we go and the longer we see COVID, the more we, we know about COVID, 
the more symptomology that's going to come out, the more things that are going to be noticed, um, and the data is going to come out that shows, hey, this is a, a symptom that a lot of people are having based off the data collected across the country. Okay. So because you hear that someone has COVID toe doesn't necessarily mean that if you get that virus, you will also... It does not. Okay. Okay. So that's just one individual. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Because you see the news is they try to fill people with all kinds of information. Sometimes it's too much to take in all at once. So it all starts to blend together. And then your memory recall says, I have to have all of these things. Correct. But that's not necessarily the case. So the top three you said were a fever, shortness of breath, Dry, hacky cough. And a dry, hacky cough. Okay. The biggest thing for all the news that we're listening to from all the different stations and all the social media, we have to realize that sometimes what's being said, especially on social media, isn't true. It's spun in the, to the left or to the right. If we actually sit down and do our own research, if we see something that says, hey, this says X, Y, and Z, go to the CDC website, dig into the research, do your own research, and educate yourself because that way you know what the truth is out there. Social media isn't always telling the truth. Okay, so stop using social media. I've got to write this down. Stop using social media to do research. Use Wikipedia. Got it. Oh, wait, no. No. <laughs> get, get the data. Get the facts. That's what's going to tell you the truth. Okay. Find the facts. Okay. Go to the CDC. Go to the different websites. The Oklahoma uh, State Department of Health has a great website on COVID. It shows you how many positive, how many have been tested, um, shows you the demographics of everybody, age, race, all of it. And you can actually get the data right there. It really is. It's three, I've seen nine, 10 pages mm-hmm. of data that they give you. It's way more than what you would ever need. Exactly. But it is broken down in all those demographics and it's it's right. very helpful and very useful to look at. Um, really helps explain a lot of the, the muddied water that we're trying to look through yes. right now. And in, this goes on longer. The, the data that's going to come in from across the country is going to be amazing. And once that comes in, I can't wait to see the results. And see see if a certain part of the country, because of maybe weather conditions, maybe because of dampness in South Carolina versus dryness right. in Arizona. Yeah. But then you look at the age, you look at the race, you look at if they've been um, inoculated with any other vaccines. But then you also have to look at the homeless population, the indigent population. What part of that population is being affected and having issues too? So there's a whole lot of things that go into it um, for all the uh, the data that's going to come out. So you do hear that the virus is impacting uh, minority populations, African-American population, Native population, uh, Latino populations a lot more than Caucasian populations. Is there a reason for that? If you look at the uh, African-American, the Native American, and some of the Latino um, races, their incidence of high blood pressure, high cholesterol, diabetes is much higher than a Caucasian. So, and those are some of the comorbidities that cause us to have more mortality rates, higher death rates um, because of those. So sickle cell disease, let's say. Mm is not unheard of in a Caucasian, a Latino, Asian person, but it's prevalent primarily in African-American population. Correct. So is there something genetic that way that causes uh, higher, you said the comorbidities, does it, that causes that in those populations? The 
the different comorbidities that they have, they have a higher prevalence of it. Like I said, they have a higher chance of having high blood pressure, having diabetes, having high cholesterol, and all of those, if you have those, because you're more prevalent to have them, there's a lot more in those races, you're gonna have more deaths due to the fact that those are some of the problems when having COVID that, that cause you to die. Okay. If I am feeling symptomatic, if I feel like I've got a cough, I've got a dry, hacky cough, don't quite have the fever, should I go get tested? That's a hard call. Okay. Um, it, it, it really is. It, it, if you've been exposed to somebody that you know is positive COVID, go get tested. If you think you might have it, if I got a dry, hacky cough, a um, little shortness of breath for sure. If you've got shortness of breath, go get it. But here's the other part we have to think about. Do I have seasonal allergies? Do I get like this every May? And if the answer is yes, then you kind of have to fish through that and go, is this my allergies or is this possibly, you know, COVID? Um, a lot of places to go get tested. Um, you can call the State Department of Health. You can call the County Department of Health. They're going to tell you where in your county you can go get tested. You can call your um, primary care physician, say, hey, this is what I think I have. And they're going to tell you where to go get tested. Okay. So. And I know that in Oklahoma currently, uh, you have to make an appointment to get the test. Correct. And you have to go through, like you were saying, your primary care, one mm -hmm. of the health departments to be able to get yes. to get on that list to be tested. So don't expect to drive to a, a spot that your friend got tested at and, and be ready to get tested. Not today. Okay. <laughs> Not going to happen. Okay. Good to know. Um, trying to get facts out there, dispel some of these myths. Um, let's talk about uh, treatment and prevention. We said washing your hands, wearing a mask all of those things that uh, the CDC is pushing out there. What about uh, medications? Are there, we hear on the news, hydrochloroquine, if I have some left over from a deployment, can I go ahead and pop those and I'll be okay? No, um, not FDA approved yet. Does it work? Some say yes, some say no. If you look at social media, it says it's killing people. Um, I, I would go to my PCM. If I test positive, let my, my primary care treat me. Um, that's the right way to do it. We should not be self-treating um, because you self-treat with, say, five days of chloroquine. Number one, is it the right dosage? Number two, how old is it? Is it still effective? All those pills should have been dumped out a long time ago anyway. Sure, sure. Should and have been taken on the deployment. And if you didn't finish them when you were supposed to, that's another issue. <laughs> so, Okay, so what about... Um, is there any type of cleanser we can inject in our bodies? Is there a type of light we can introduce uh, that has a frequency that will kill the virus or protect us from having that virus? For the Tide Pod generation, please don't do any of that. Okay. Um, no, <laughs> never inject anything into your body. Never ingest any type of cleanser. Um, that's just a bad idea. You will end up in a hospital. You will end up in an ICU more than likely um, and possibly just in a casket. Well, yeah, that's, that's probably really good advice. Yeah. Now, if we're going to clean things, there's all kinds of disinfectants that you can use that are effective. You can use bleach. Um, you can buy a can of disinfectant, Lysol wipes. It all works. Wipe off the things you use all the time. Wipe off your phone. We're at 90% of the time anyway. Most kids are. Um, door handles, steering wheels, things that you use all the time. Be careful. Things I've been seeing and hearing. Um, parents, for whatever reason, are taking their kids shopping. Some parents are single parents, they have to take their kids shopping. Mm -hmm. Make sure when you put your kids into the um, shopping cart, if you wipe it off with a disinfectant, 
that's going to be in your kid's skin if they're wearing shorts and they can get mm-hmm. chemical burns. So you need to be cautious about that. Um, I've been seeing more and more reports of things like that. Um, I've seen people using Lysol wipes and, and touching things they shouldn't be, um, like their eyes. Okay. So we, we need to be cognizant of what we're using in the products that we're using. We have to be safe with them. Okay. So you don't want Lysol eye to be another symptom of that would potential be a horrible COVID symptom. because you didn't wash your hands after wiping with wipes. Okay, good. Yeah. I think you would only do that once. Old whale. <laughs> maybe. Well, you got two eyes, so maybe twice. Exactly. <laughs> so if I am feeling hungry because I've been inside and I'm, I'm afraid to go out, get some food from the local, local restaurant, I want to support my local business, but I'm not quite there yet. Mm-hmm. So I'm at home, I'm making some tacos, I'm slicing a tomato and I slice my finger in the process. Mm-hmm. Should I be scared about going to an urgent care, going to an ER that I might catch COVID? Not so at all. I just wrap it with duct tape? Not at all. Okay. You're gonna go and you'll be treated somewhere they are. They're gonna give you a mask. They're gonna wear a mask and use their PPE as they need to based off your symptoms. You have no symptoms, they're gonna take you in, they're gonna stitch you up and away you go, just like normal. Okay. And normal checkups that I need to attend, everything like that is okay? It's not just emergencies I need to They do. are. Um, a lot of the doctor's offices I know in Fort Sill, they've gone to a lot of telemedicine. Um, I had one last week. Doctor called me, talked to her on the phone for about five minutes, took care of whatever we needed. Um, and that's becoming a lot more prevalent. Are there still appointments? Of course there are. Um, so, but it's getting easier to get appointments now um, with the telemedicine and things like that. So what about masks? You hear, wear a mask. You hear, don't wear a mask. You hear, masks are only to protect somebody that has it from spreading to somebody else. It doesn't protect you if you don't have it. What's what's the skinny on the masks? Well, there's a lot of opinions on masks. Um, if you look at the the sides of the the holes in the mask, the microns, how big they are, and you look, compare the how big the virus is or how small it is, um, is it going to stop everything? Probably not. Not the ones we're wearing. Um, wearing the mask is important. There's a lot of people who are COVID-19 positive, but they're asymptomatic and we have no idea. So wearing the mask at that point could help you from getting somebody else sick. And that's important, especially if you're around, like you said, anybody that's immunocompromised, somebody that's a little bit older, anybody has a comorbidities. Um, and when you're going out shopping, who do you see a lot of people are? You see a lot of people that are 65 and older. You know they're gonna have comorbidities, high blood pressure, diabetes, high cholesterol, things like that. Mm-hmm. So it's more protecting other people. Do I like wearing a mask? No. Do I wear one when I'm supposed to? Yes. Well, and I think the hardest thing about it too is being asymptomatic mm-hmm. because you can carry the virus with you and not have that 100.4 fever or the cough, Correct. but you can still give it to other people. Correct. So I heard somebody describe it as pretending like you already have the virus, mm-hmm. And then distance yourself from other people that way, whether it's an actual space distance or putting the mask on to prevent other people from getting something that you may or may not have because nobody knows. And I think that's the that's the scariest for me, or not really scary, but most worrisome, is that mm-hmm. nobody knows. Right. Nobody knows, and you just do what you feel is best for you. You look at the statistics, 49 and below, you've got about a 99.99% chance of never even knowing you had it. Don't get sick. You don't know. Have, have you had it? I would bet that a lot of people that work on this complex that had it last fall or early spring. 
that didn't know we had it. A lot of people were sick. They tested negative for strep, they tested negative for flu A, they tested negative for flu B, but guess what? They got diagnosed with a viral illness and they were told to go home. Did they have a dry hacky cough? Yes. Did they have a fever? Yes. A little short of breath? Of course. Did they give them some albuterol inhaler to make them breathe easier? Yes, they did. And they sent them home and said, you'll be better in about five weeks. Hmm. And in about five weeks, they got better. So is there a possibility that a lot of people have been exposed? Sure there is. Um, once they start doing the antibody testing, more and more of it, they're gonna find, in my opinion, they're gonna find a lot of people that have already been exposed to and had no idea. So talk to me about that antibody test. What, what is that and what is it, what is it detect? The body creates uh, things called antibodies, one's called IgG and one is called IgM. One shows early that you've been exposed to it, it builds that antibody, start trying to fight it. The other antibody, the Ig, IgG comes last. Um, that's your immunity. I, I've been exposed to it. I've built this antibody. I now become immune to it. That's like when you get the varicella vaccine or the polio vaccine and all those things. Our body builds antibodies to it so that we don't get it. It fights it off. So if you do test uh, you do an antibody test and it shows that you were exposed to the virus and you have antibodies in your system, can you still get the virus? That's the hard part. We don't have data. We don't know if the people who have the antibodies, if they built an immunity to it or not. Okay. All that data is going to come, but it's going to take a while. Okay. Man, there's so much, so much to know about this and so much everybody wants to know, but we're just not at a point to have the data to know. Correct. The biggest thing is take a deep breath, relax, and live your life. Take the precautions you're supposed to and do what you need. Does it mean we, we can't live our life? Not at all. You can still do things, but you have to be smart about it. So speaking of doing things, um, today is our first day back at work uh, from telework here at uh, the Joint Force headquarters. A lot of places around the state are doing that. Uh, state agencies are slowly working people back in. Uh, if I'm in one of those industries that are that are now open, but I'm not able to social distance because of the nature of the job. So you work at a hair salon, you're a barbershop, um, you're a waiter. What are things that you could recommend for those people to who are, have more individual contact with a vast majority of the population. It's going to be the same thing. They're going to wear their masks, They're going to make sure they wash their hands, use your hand sanitizer. Um, the salons and the barbershops, um, at this point, they're limiting how many people could come in. Um, a lot of times, if they have four chairs, they only have two chairs that are going instead of all four. They get that six feet plus apart. And the people who are waiting for their haircuts and stuff, they're waiting outside, waiting in their car. So they're, they're mitigating that piece of it. If you go to the restaurants, um, a lot of restaurants have taped off tables. Um, and they go, you can sit here and you can sit there. And, and they're keeping that social distancing. Okay. And the other thing that you can do, um, I did the same thing when I worked clinic all the time or I was at the hospital. Um, when you go home, strip down in your laundry room, put your clothes into the washer, wash them and dry them, go take a shower, wash all that stuff off for the day. You do what you feel is going to make you safe mm -hmm. on top of what people who have done years of research, spent their life researching how to prevent the spread of disease mm -hmm. have also recommended. 
So if I'm an office worker, we talked about this a little bit. You said, um, you know, wipe down your space. <clears throat> you can use a variety of different cleaners to wipe down your space. How often should I be doing that? I do it once a day. I would do it before I, before I left. Um, that way you come in the next morning, things are fresh, things are clean. That cleanser's had time to sit. Um, with the Lysol wipe, it's going to dry and evaporate, and it's going to kill most everything. Um, you can use the spray cleaners or, or different things. Okay. So if you feel like you need to do it twice a day, that's fine too. It's going to be down to personal preference. Um, if no one else is using my space and it's just me, I'll do it once a day. What about different, let's talk about cleansers. You mentioned bleach, um, Lysol, those types of things. Mm -hmm. What about just soap and water to clean a surface? Is that soap effective? And soap and, it'll clean the surface, but soap and water is not going to kill any viruses or bacteria that's on it. Okay. Um, you need a bacterial side or a viral. Can't say the right word. Anyway, someone's going to kill the virus. Okay. Um, um, and, and I'll tell you on, on the can, I think a lot of the cans it says coronavirus on it. Um, is it the first time we've seen the coronavirus? No. There's different types of coronavirus. Um, this one just happened to, to get into the humans. So, but once or twice a day, it's fine. Okay. Okay. Good to know. What about um, like vinegar and water? I know that's that's a good cleaner that a lot of people use for mm -hmm. surface tops. Is that is that an antiviral as well? I would go with bleach or Lysol or one of those cleaners. Okay. Just making sure because, again, everybody has their own opinion on, on how they the, feel is best to do things. There's but. a lot of uh, um, wives' tales and folklores. And, you know, back in the day, this is how we did it. And stick with what's proven. You know that Lysol kills it. You know that bleach kills it. Stick with those things and, and it, just make it easy. Aside from work, uh, we've talked a little bit about going out, uh, going to restaurants, going to bars. Um, eventually it will be movie theaters and, and, and things like that. Um, people are going to churches and going to their church service. Same recommendations, the exact, distancing, the, the masks. and exact same re recommendation. Um, I went to church this weekend and family units set together and they're all separated by six to 10 feet. Um, we had 140 people in church, but nobody was by each other. Um, everybody was wearing masks, everybody used hand sanitizer, um, and it works. If you don't use the precautions, you have a higher chance of getting sick for sure. Do I think that the bar is going to be a good idea? I don't know how they're going to regulate a bar and keep everybody apart. Unless they shut down the pool tables, the dark boards, they take out chairs from the bar, they take out chairs from the tables. It makes it very difficult. If you go to a bar, people sit together and talk. Mm -hmm. It's gonna be very difficult to social distance there. People get creative um, in, in times like this. I got a friend in Nebraska who, who actually owns a bar. They've been closed down for eight weeks now. Um, but once a week, she has a Zoom meeting. They call it a pub call. Um, and for an hour and a half, all of her customers call in and the Zoom meeting's her behind the bar and they're all on Zoom talking, having drinks, and, and interacting like they were there, which is a beautiful idea because yeah. people still get to interact and talk to everybody and see how things are going. Yeah. Plus, you don't have to worry about potential DUI, get on the road after you've had some drinks because you're already home. You're social distance. You don't have to worry about any of that. Yeah. It's a great idea. I wonder if these things will carry on after. I think we've learned from this that teleworking, telemeetings, um, Zoom meetings, like, things like that, work very well. I have a feeling uh, a lot of businesses, this is just Drew's opinion, will probably incorporate some of these things to make it easier. 
Well, I think so. And people are seeing how effective they are, like you were saying. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's why not? If you don't need to, why? Right. You know? Is it necessary when I go out to wear long sleeves or pants to protect myself from the virus? No. So it's not anything that can get on my skin. It's not a flesh-eating bacteria. No, it's not a flesh-eating bacteria. Can okay. you get on your skin? Sure. Is it going to bother you? Unless you have an opening or cut or something? No, you'll be fine. It's a respiratory issue. Okay. And we hear that with the weather getting warmer, the chance of this virus going away, kind of like the seasonal flu where, you know, you see it in the spring, you see it in the fall, winter. That, that is the thought process. Um, we'll find out here in about a month and a half. <laughs> so could it be like the flu and will it... Could it kind of ebb and flow? Could it go away for the summertime and could it come back in the fall? Sure, it could. Uh, we, we don't know what's going to happen yet. Do you know if there are plans being set in place, like contingency plan in case that does come back? So we already have a response set in place from your, your perspective? I can say that the state, um, all the governments, parts of the government will be looking at this. Um, and it's not only the government, it also comes down to the high schools, the colleges, and all those things too. There's some colleges I know that have already worked on and set up um, teleclasses again. Um, I got friends who are nurses that teach um, the nursing students, and they're setting up this summer in case they have to do teleclasses again, and they're getting all that stuff ready to go. So I've heard that uh, at several meat packing plants or meat processing plants that um, people have been testing at very high rates, you see it on the news, testing very high rates of, of COVID. Should I be concerned about the meat that I'm eating or where I get my meat from? Because, I mean, COVID, they say that they trace that back to eating bats. H1N1 was chicken. Is there, should I have concerns? I haven't way? seen anything um, that says we should have concern. If, if we cook our meat properly um, to the correct temperature, we shouldn't have any issues. Uh, the problem comes when we don't cook things properly. Okay. So making sure you don't have medium rare chicken breasts or... You have to hit the, the certain uh, temperatures you're supposed to get to for pork, for chicken, for beef. We need to make sure that we get there. Okay. Okay. No medium rare pork chops. Good to know. It's also the name of my dog. I don't want to cook him medium rare either. My family is very persistent about getting together. I have a very large family. Mm -hmm. So... We've been trying to find ways that we can be together, but be outside, family barbecue, sure. things like that. Would you recommend, is that safer than going to a restaurant? Is it all the same? Are we rolling a dice either way? I think you're gonna roll a dice either way. It, it, it depends on the family. Uh, I know a lot of family units, um, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, the kids and everything, they haven't gone anywhere for the most part. Parents have been working from the house or laid off. They go to the grocery store, they need to, you know, uh, I got friends who their parents are older and they're keeping their parents at home and said, you're grounded. We'll go get stuff for you. Go outside the yard, mow your yard, do what you need to, stay away from everybody. A lot of times if those family units, if everybody stayed away, would it be okay to have a barbecue and be able to social distance a little bit? Probably safer than going to a restaurant where things are more enclosed. Um, would I recommend all of them? No. <laughs> do I think that that the populace is tired of being cooped up? Yes. Do I think people are going to start taking more and more risks? Yes. Um, do I see people out barbecuing in driveways now? Yes. They're going to do it. Um, I, I think if you keep it in the, the family unit, I think it'll be safer than having all the neighbors over because you have no idea where everybody's been, if that makes sense. 
No, it, it definitely does. You you can control your surrounding and your environment. Correct. And beyond that, you have no control. And I feel like that's where a lot of people's frustrations may come in because they want to control that. Um, they see someone that, depending on their mask opinion, they see somebody at the store out in public that's counter to what their mask opinion is. Mm-hmm. And they want to shake that person or go up and talk to them, but it's not really their place to do that. It's not. If you look at the research, you can find arguments for both sides, for wearing a mask or for not wearing a mask. You have to pick which side you want to be on. Go to Lowe's and see who's at Lowe's and how many people have masks and how many people don't have masks. Some days it's frightening. (laughs) But some people are willing to take the chance and a lot of people are younger and it they're not worried because they're not going to get sick. The issues that we have are, are we going to get our grandparents sick or mom and dad who are in their 70s sick? That, that's where the issue comes in and the concern. Let's talk about staying healthy. You said that, you know, if you're below that 65 and older age group, chances of catching this are very low because typically that age group below 65 is healthier. Mm-hmm. What are some ways that we can maintain that healthy lifestyle. It's going to be the same that we always do. Uh, healthy eating, lean meats, fruits, vegetables. Stay away from the ho-hos, the ding-dongs, the fried foods, potato chips, all the soda and things like that. When you're at home, just because you're quarantined, doesn't mean you can't exercise. Exercise is not going from the couch to the refrigerator and back. What if you do it twice? It depends on what you're carrying back with you. Two reps. <laughs> so, But we can exercise at home. Um, can you go running? Sure. How many people are running with you? Zero. I can tell you where I live, I see the same four people run every other day. There's not a lot of people out there running. Have I seen people at the local track? I've seen three people, the same three people in the mornings, who are out there walking around the track every morning. It's not a large populace. Go exercise. That's the other part. Gyms are opening. A lot of gyms are now open 24-7 again. you got your key fob. That's where we have to be careful also. Make sure we wipe off the equipment before we use them. Make sure we wipe off when we're done. Um, Try not to go when there's 400 people in there and you're shoulder to shoulder. Keep that social distancing. We can exercise at home too. Push-ups, sit-ups, flutter kicks. We're in the military. We know how to do it without any weights or anything. We just have to find the motivation. Right, right. Going to the gym, is it safe to wear a mask while I'm at the gym, or is that does that create a completely different concern in itself? You can wear a mask. Um, depends on what you're doing. Does it make it harder to breathe once they get wet? Sure does. <laughs> if you've got an M95 on and you're breathing hard and it gets moist, it's hard to pull air through one of those. So you have to be careful and you have to use common sense with it. Okay. Okay. So don't work out with my mask on until I pass out. Exactly. Because I'm going to be in a hospital for a different reason. I go to the gym at about 4 o'clock in the morning. There's two other people there. Makes it really simple. Yeah. yeah. So when at 10 o'clock at night at my gym, there's about six people there. So try to stay away from the peak hours and, and you'll be fine. Okay. All right. Good to know. Uh, what other aspects of our lives can we look at to maintain our physical health? To, to you also have to look at your spiritual health. Your mental health is very important. Uh, a lot of people are... They feel isolated right now. Um, I know my grandmother's 102, and she's in assisted living, and they stay in their room all day. They don't even bring them down to meals anymore. Mm. Everything's taken to them. Um, so we try to video chat. 
uh, with people. Uh, little things help. A phone call, a text, just asking, hey, how you doing? My brother and my sister go see my grandmother. Um, they just did another side of the glass, and they sit and talk on the phone. Um, seeing people makes you happy. Uh, it increases your neurotransmitters, um, and, and it's good for us. Uh, being isolated, being by ourselves, it's very difficult. So when you still need to interact, it's like us talking on the Zoom meetings that they have. Those are great because you get to see all your friends, and you get to interact with everybody. You're just not touching them. Yeah. You still get that dopamine release from that human yes. human contact. If you're spiritual and you're a churchgoer, my church has been doing online church for six, seven weeks. We just opened back up this week. But there's a lot of things you can do like that. Um, we've got a Facebook page, and people are posting stuff all the time. That, I think, is one of the, the things that will help people the most is trying to maintain that positive attitude. Uh, we've had some uh, podcast episodes about thought creep and how different thoughts can creep up in your mind and then start taking over like a virus mm -hmm. and infecting all of your thoughts. So recognizing when that happens and Negative thoughts that. take over quickly. Um, give you a negative attitude and then things get bad. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's good to know staying positive, not letting your mind get away from itself. And one thing that's helped me is staying off of social media. When I get done researching, I mean, no longer researching, I, I turn it off and I've stopped following certain things because it's, it brings, I can feel my body becoming tense when I look at it versus my body releasing when I see things like puppies or a nice, nice landscape photograph that someone took at a beach. Right. And it, it really does make a world of difference just instantaneously. The other part that we need to do, we all have friends and family um, who already have issues with anxiety or social isolating and, and different behavioral health issues, those are some people we need to check on. Um, especially if they've lost a job or they're working from home or you know they're having it, just call them. Hey, how you doing? What's going on? You doing okay? Shoot them a text. Um, most of the time they'll be fine. Sometimes they may reach out and say, I'm not doing good. Those are the people we're gonna reach out, get them the help that they need. So what are some good resources um that people like that can can go to, or if you you know of someone, you can you can pass some information along to them. For us, for the military, um, you have military one source. You have the crisis line, um, which is amazing, um, especially for here in Oklahoma. You call a crisis line; they're going to know who your behavioral health people are in the state. Um, they're going to get you hooked up with them. Um, Michelle Burris, John Dixon, great assets for us. Um, Captain Mathis Kerr. Um, for us, those are our go-to people. Um, if we find out and learn about people who need help, we're gonna pick up a phone and call. Um, and at that point, if we need to, we can get them in to be evaled. Um, a lot of the behavioral health different places around the state um, are doing telehealth. They're gonna call and do an interview, their intake over the phone. Um, and at that point, think they need to be come in, then we'll bring them in. What positives do you think are gonna come out of this whole thing? I think we're gonna find that uh, people are a lot more resilient than they thought they were. Um, we're gonna have some hard lessons when we're done with this, um, but other people have found out that there's certain things in life that we can live without, that we didn't really need. Um, I think that's gonna be a good thing. I think a lot of family groups um, have come closer together. Mom and dad are at home, because either working from home or laid off. All of a sudden the family units having dinner together every night again, 
that's a great important thing to talk about how the day's gone and, and to build that family relationship and those bonds. That's an awesome thing. It's a great positive is going to come out of all of this. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I agree. So, all right. Major Mar, is there anything else you'd like to add to either strengthen people's opinions or help release any tension or stress that people may have in their minds during this time right now? Like I said before, the biggest thing is just take a big deep breath. It's going to be okay. It's no different than a lot of things we've gone through already. Um, the H1N1 outbreak uh, and all the different pandemics and things that we've gone through, we always survive. Um, the biggest thing is keeping a positive attitude, researching your own to find the facts. Don't get caught up in all the hype and the junk that's put out there. A lot of things are spun. There's a lot of false news that's put out. Um, social media is horrible for it. Um, get with your friends and your family. Make sure you keep in touch with everybody and, and just live. Life hasn't stopped. We're still living. Um, you can go for a run. You can go for a hike. You can go fishing. Things are open back up. All right. Go live life. Just be cautious. All right. Well, thank you very much, sir. We appreciate you coming by. You bet. Have a great day. All right. Thank you for joining us today. Please make sure to like the Oklahoma National Guard on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and see more photos of our airmen and soldiers working the front lines of the COVID-19 response in Oklahoma on our Flickr page. Also, make sure to subscribe to the Oklahoma National Guard YouTube page and stay up to date with the latest The OK Guard Show releases on Podbean or any platform you get your podcasts. If you have any suggestions for the pun of the episode, please send us a message on social media. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, have a great and healthy day. But for now, it's time to get back to work. The OK Guard Show is produced by the Oklahoma National Guard Public Affairs Office. Any mention of products or brands does not imply endorsement. All guests on the show are volunteers in an effort to inform and educate members of the Oklahoma National Guard, their families, retirees, potential recruits, and the community.